in very different ways. You can set up a world in which everything, right, there's a category called Rove, and anything which has 50.001% is Rove, um, right, and then everything else is in doubt, and you can have a category where 100% is certainty, and anything short of certainty is, right, is, is a suffix. So that, now, either of those scenarios, right, collapse the probabilities between 50.01 and, and, and 99.9 and into a single number. So making, right, so making probability work in a purely mathematical sense, when you have this giant, you know, equivalent of, you know, treat any number you want as limit going to zero, uh, which always bothered this way. I got stuck in calculus for a long time, so I couldn't figure out why limits weren't arbitrary. Um, so that's a really big issue. So we have, we have the artificial 50-50 um, probability, which if you have the kind of psychological mindset which, which allows you to make decisions, on very narrow probability gauges, so the only way you can get a real doubt is a constructed one. Right, so you have a category called Kavua, and Kavua is a constructed suffix. And, they can, right, uh, right, and we can find other, right, which says it doesn't matter what the real numbers are. We're going to treat it as 50-50, even though we know that it's 99 to 1, and what we can tell it is, right, is because if you separate it from it, right, it's not really, it's not, it's not you know, like trying to play with tricks of probability like the, the Monty Hall problem or things like that. Right, it's a deliberate choice to treat certain things in, in ways that are not, that are not mathematically um, correct. And the converse of that is, uh, say, the position that Rav Moshe takes about Mamzeris, which is that Mamzer um, Vadev, not Mamzer Suffolk, means that 99.99% is not a Mamzer. The Arisa. Right, 0.001%, or whatever your infinitesimal number is, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever you reduce the... Right, you, um, whenever you've reduced the number, um, the, the number close, the number, um, yeah, as long as you a number that you don't treat, you can't, you don't treat as let me go as zero, it's still a suffix for the purposes of mamzeret, the oraisa. It's sort of measure, it's almost impossible to create a real vade mamzeret. The only way you can do it is by a constructed certainty. Right, so right, so rules of halacha which treat things as certainties for Moshe are certainties. Right, so there you have right. That, right? So there you, there you have your two, uh, your two, right, your two basic, um, two basic frameworks. So if we set up, as I argued last time, we set up rules of um, rules of, of halacha that function only in cases of doubt. So it really depends whether, whether your definition of doubt is any case where I don't have certainty, and then those rules will be very powerful. And then on the other hand, if you set up the rules as saying any case, right, they only apply in cases where there's no, where there's no likelihood at all, it's just even, then they're going to have very narrow application. And we talked about at the end of the last time that those are psychological conditions, although I, could, I can uh, Im, right, project those, those differences onto the, um, the Mishnah Burra and the Erech HaShulchan, wherever the Mishnah Burra has lots of doubts, and the Erech HaShulchan doesn't seem to have any. Uh, right, and therefore, they, the, the Mishnah Burra uses rules all the time. And Erech HaShulchan doesn't use those sorts, doesn't use those sorts of rules. Um, okay. So I want to introduce one other, uh, one, one other distinction that I didn't really make um, last time, which was built in, in the words Kolei uh, Hara. So Kolei Hara is a challenging um, term because it implies the existence of a Hara. Uh, so Hara is a, is, a, is a technical term, and it means a... Uh, in act, a halachic ruling, it requires authority. It requires some degree of independent judgment, right? Otherwise, right, in terms of you're just looking at Mara Makomas. 
Right, so there's a real question, for example, whether the vast majority of questions asked to rabbis nowadays, the response is a hurrah. Because you're not, it's not, right, if you just looked it up in the Mishnah Burah, that's not your hurrah. Now, if you know that there's machlokas in the Mishnah Burah and the Yerach and you pass like the Mishnah Burah, maybe that's beginning to be a hurrah. So most, right, but if there's a standard answer and all you're doing is looking up the answer, so that's not a hurrah. So clearly hurrah, if we think of those as rules, right, are rules for poskin. Uh, decision procedures for poskin. Uh, but it may be that the rules for poskim are not the same as the rules for people who are trying to follow poskim. Uh, right, it, right, it might, right, so it might be, right, for example, that for a posig, the choice generally, it, right, when, there's a, when, you're, when you're in doubt, your, your option is to follow the machmer. But it might be that if you're not a posig, the choice when you're in doubt is to follow your rabbi. Even though you know that, right, that there's another rabbi equally good who says the opposite. All right, or it might be to follow the person whom you ordinarily ask your questions to. Now, that might be an iterative process. Uh, for everywhere up the line, right, everybody has their rabbi and their, right, and their relationship. Or it might be no, that only relates to geography, it relates to, right, to community structure, all sorts of things like that. Yes, Am I following correctly that you're implying that the decision-making process used in the Kamara should be the decision-making process for contemporary halacha? So, I mean, the Gemara sets out these rules. We have to figure out how these rules apply. One of the things we did talk about last time, right, is... Right, but so you, I get, sorry, I'll you, clarify. Yeah. The Gemara in setting out the rules, I've always read it as the Gemara setting out the rules for the Gemara's process, not necessarily for the halakhic process. So I don't think, yeah, I think it's very hard to have the Gemara be that iterative. Yeah, what at, um, it might be that science of the Gemara is just being transparent, but even then, we might think it's a precedent. And what we watched at the very beginning of last year, right, was there's a rule of the Gemara which doesn't obviously relate to manuscript options, right, right, Amri's, whatever it may be, right, in the Talmud itself. But then immediately all the Rishonim tried to apply the rules of the Gemara to the question of text, of the text of the Talmud when you have choices. Right, so there's a, it's, there's a line. We, we don't like being free. Like, we like having rules. The system is set up to encourage having rules. And presumably there are always people like me who push back against rules in a certain sense, but like rules nonetheless. Um, but, the, but the rules yeah. are, are not fully, sufficiently not fully clarified that, that people can derive their, you know. The rules are defaults. What? Sorry? The rules are defaults. Right. Um, and it, some of it depends on how you, you know, how you think. If you're a, um, if you're an artist, right, so I, I I like to talk often about the way in which, um, the way in which, uh, like, this makes, the way we, we set up rules about art. There are rules about art. And in general, in a very, very broad, stereotypical fashion, uh, people who grew up from have real trouble with rules about art, artists who grew up from, and people, and, and Bali Chuva, it's one of the things they love, is that there are rules about art. Uh, but part of it is that if you really, you know, that, if you're already an artist, and then rules are a way to give form to what you write to write to your creativity, but they don't really constrain you so much because you can always figure out ways to fit in what you already have. Whereas if your imagination is constrained by the rules, so then it feels very constricting. Right? If you could never right, if you could never think outside the right outside the rules, it takes an effort to get outside the rules as opposed to it takes an effort to get inside the rules. So part of the question is in terms of right, when do you approach the Kali Hurrah as a um, as a program, like you're already, you know, you're, you're, 
your vision is constrained by the system and you're just following by the rules. That'll give you one kind of person. Some people will feel constrained by that. Some people will feel great by that. If you're a halakhic artist, so then rules are great, and you're, and you're already thinking in a broader religious sense, so then rules are, have a very different role. Right? It's not born from, nobody's born a post uh, that I know of, right? There are stories of they brought whatever it may be, but let's assume, right? let's assume that nobody's born a, uh, a post-sig. So, yes, I, th- I think that, you know, that, I think that, first of all, right, I think that a, lot of the rule, you know, that a lot of the rules in the Gemara are about the Gemara, but there's always a driver to try and make them about us too. And then secondly, that there, you know, that there are, to some extent, it's a question of level, but, um, but mostly it's a question, I think, of personality, whether you are inclined to look for rules and try and make the rules as rigid as possible, uh, or whether you're inclined to think of the rules as structuring a space. And your goal, right, and your goal, and your goal, your goal is to function properly within that space. Uh, right? so I think those are, those are, those are very different uh, things. And, as it might be, right, you know, so part of the challenge, this is part of the challenge of each halacha, is to what extent is the experience of the layperson supposed to be the same as the experience of the scholar, just, you know, just um, uh, sliding scale? Or to what extent do you want to set up, a, do you want to set up a hard system? Well, you can think this way, if you're right, if you know, if you're at this level of knowledge. Herschel Schachter likes to set it up, I think, largely as a, as a hard switch. You know, you get to be a you know, if you get to be a bal then you can do this, and you can only do that if you know shas, and until then you're you're not really a bal hora, uh, right? Then it's just a question whether you're whether you're reliable when people look up makoros or not, right? So if you you can be a reliable reference source or unreliable re- reference source until you get to be a bal hora, and I try to argue, uh, I think uh, Roy Jonathan Zering put tried to put this together more systematically than I had, uh, that it's a sliding scale. Right, you know that as the decisions become more complex, so then you have right, so that it requires more learning to be able to function with more freedom, um, and things like that. But it, even if you're rule based, right, as I'm pointing out, so it could be that the rules, if you call it kol hora, so those are the rules for poskim, and the rules for non poskim may have different priorities, right? It might be the rules again for the rule for a posik is follow right. If there's an equal doubt, follow you know stuff, you follow the the, the posik who right who is more machmir adoraisa. But that for lay people, the, job, the goal is to find a single person whose positions you follow all the way through, even though you know they're not great. Right? That's right. That would be like if you're a postic, right? You know that the that the rabbi, right? That you know that your rebbe in high school thinks this, but somebody you see as one of the great postic of the generation thinks that. Okay, he's a rebbe in high school, but you're a postic, right? You have, right? So maybe you have to follow the rules that the greater person wins. Whereas if you, right, if you're still in high school. So then you follow what your rebbe says. Again, not that I necessarily endorse those positions. There's quite a way in which the rules can function differently uh, for different people in the system, and not necessarily in ways that are obviously predictable in terms of you know that that is a straight line, right? Well, you know the rules, more freedom, less freedom, all sorts of things like that. Okay. Um, okay. So we start off last time by talking about the the transformation of the rule. Uh, when there are two people, right? Do, do you follow? Right? Do you follow the greatest person? Do you follow the Machmer? Do you follow? Do, do you follow the Mekil? Um, it's complicated by the. It's complicated by the Rishonim, uh, at least in the context of trying to transform it into a rule of deciding between options in the Gemara when you have Lishna, Prina, Zikid, Amri, thing like things like that. But some of the complications they introduce would work, go back into the Gemara's rules, where they talk about different areas of law, uh, right? Mamanos, right? So what is what, right, what does it mean to follow the Machmer in a case of Mamanos? 
Okay, so we, we did the Ritva, and I sort of flubbed the Ritva at the end, so I wanted to spend a little bit of time today trying to do the Ritva right, and then whatever time we have left over, we're going to spend on doing, an, uh, doing some elements of uh, Yechid Verabim, uh, and probably by right about now I'm realizing it'll probably take two more shirts <laughs> to get through this first sheet, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to just one. Okay, let's pick you up on the Ritva on page two. Okay, so the Ritva, the first, the first paragraph, uh, he makes a distinction um, right between the people involved in the debate and um, and the and the other people, right? So he calls the people involved in the debate. He says are are didhu gufaihu. They themselves, they themselves um, are not subject to rules about their debate because then you just have a race, right? You know, you know whoever says the more machmir position, derice always wins. Whoever says the more makel position, derabanan always wins. That doesn't make sense. You're actually in the dispute. You can make your own decision, follow your own position. It's only for people outside, right, who are bound, who are, who are bound by rules. And he proves he proves that um, even then, right? He argues. Okay, that's paragraph one. And paragraph paragraph two is that the idea that other people are bound by rules once the dispute is already in play only happens to cases like this case, but not in the actual case. Right? It's a very interesting claim that in the case in front of you, you can't be bound by rules because he seems to think that what creates the rule is some kind of notion that there's a chalos hurrah on, the object, on, right, on, on this object, and if two people are ruling, how, right, they interfere with each other, so there can't be any outcome. The rules, can't, right, the rules can only apply afterwards to a next case. So the problem is, like, what, is, what does the next case mean? Uh, how abstract is the comparison? Every case, right, every case is unique. Does it mean that you rule about an abstract issue? That's sort of challenging to think that there are rules about it, right? At least it's not obvious that it's the same thing to say there's a rule about a case and a rule about an abstraction. Because every case has unique factors. So it's not clear what it would even mean to say other cases like this. Exactly like this? Sort of like this? Okay, but he sets up that distinction. Um, okay. But then, um, and then he says, in the, right, he proves that, um, right, for the really interesting claim, he says that the Gemara seems, to, the Gemara as he quotes it, concludes, though Argumar just has a machlokit, so I don't know that he thinks it proven, that Beit Shammai actually issued rulings in accordance with their position, even though Beit Shammai is constructed in this understanding as recognizing themselves as a minority. And they issued rulings to people. Now those, right, so how could they issue rulings to people if the people would not be allowed to follow the rulings? Right, so, right, so a woman comes and asks, "Am I permitted to am I permitted to marry without chalitza or not?" And Bechamai says, "Right, Bechamai says um, you are, uh, or whichever, whichever way it goes." So that woman who's asking the question, she wasn't part of the machloga. She didn't she didn't participate on that level. So what's the point of issuing a ruling if she can't follow it? So it must be that she's allowed. Right, it must be that she's allowed to follow the ruling um, as well. Okay, um, so he expands the category. It expands the category of, uh, of people who are allowed to right, of people who are allowed to um, follow either position, as opposed to uh, as opposed as opposed to following a rule, to what I call people who identify with one side. Okay, that was that was right. That was that that was that was my uh, that was my thesis. Now, the problem that presumably. Um, applies to, you know, you can do this case over and over again, right? So the identity, even though we thought, you might have thought based on his previous position that, okay, even identity only works in the moment, but he claims that all, every time this issue comes up, right, Bechamai issued this ruling 
18 different times, right? Lots of other, right? So everyone knew that the ruling had been issued in the past, and nonetheless, every case there was somehow considered unique. So it might be that if some poor woman ended up in the same Chalitza situation twice, that she'd have to follow the rule the second time? That seems very odd. That seems very, very odd. Okay, in... Um, Right, so that, right, so then, um, right, so, right, so he says, Elevada Ishvamina, right in the middle of the second paragraph of the Ritva, Isha Muteritaitali Nasayal Pihen, and then he quotes another story. Right, says Vahainu, right, this is where the the first line, which has the Times Roman, in the middle, it says Vahainu had had the Kamrina b'Mechiltin Nafki Shipura derava v'Shari Shipura derafuna barchanina v'Astri. So there's a particular, um, there's a particular halachic case and. Two rabbis issue competing rulings, one one stringent, one one um, one stringent, one one lenient. Not clear, right? The parties, the, the footnote will tell you, the parties get flipped, and there are two stories in which the parties flip with each other. We'll just say one rabbi was, was strict, one was machmir, and the Gemara says that each of them issued public procl- proclamations about their position. Now, how can that be? It should be that right that since if it was a Durbanan matter, which it was, so then the right the, the strict person should have not right should have just given up. Uh, right, so the answer is that no, right, that, that if you're in the debate, you keep on holding your debate and people have a right um, to follow you. Um, so then he says, by the by, by, the by he says, the lekele meimar, right, so this is just before the line beginning with the plus. The lekele meimar, da vemokim nafshe rafuna barchanina gadol meirava bechachav minyan, da mistama shukulaninin. Okay, so in our first page, we pointed out that, uh, if we turn back to page one, right, so there was an ambiguity because it says, if one of them is greater than his friend and whatever those, those characteristics are, you follow him always. But if not, follow the Machmir. Then Rishub ben Karcha says, no, the rules are different in Shel Torah and Shel Sofrim. And then Rabbi Yosef says, ben Karcha. But the question was, when Rabbi Yeshua said, did he mean that? if neither of them is greater than the other, he's just modifying the last line of the Tanakhama, or is he saying, no, actually, the rule is always that we don't care who's greater. So the Ritva disambiguates and says, no, there'd be no problem explaining how each of them issued their rulings if one of them thought that he was greater than the other. Then it would be obvious, of course you issue your ruling because, right, because, you're, right, because you're greater than the other. But he says that's an implausible explanation of the Gemara, even though that's true, because they would both be too humble to claim they were greater than the other. So actually, neither of them would have issued a ruling. <laughs> if there were no ruling, they were, allowed, they, were allowed, they were allowed to issue a ruling because they would have both have been too humble to say it in the, um, to say it in the other. Uh, right? So he says, Ella, four lines from the end of the paragraph, Ella, v'day, k'damaran, k'damaran, d'chol heichet d'havishkulin v'dechlekuch achas, lochal isru b'otachaticha. Right? That's what we said, is that when they're equal, then you still have a right to issue rulings because there's no chalot isur on that object. And and the lenient party can still issue lenient rulings to the right to the public about that ruling. Right, so you can always right anybody anybody can follow right. He, he doesn't even mention identity in this case. I prefer identity, but he doesn't really say it. Right, when two parties who are equal argue about. A, right, argue about the kashras of a piece of meat, and one of them puts out a big sign saying kosher, and the other one puts out a big sign saying treif. You, the innocent layperson, can follow the lenient position if you want, or the mafia position if you want. Now, if another piece comes out with the same issue, then he thinks that you wouldn't be allowed to follow that, to follow them anymore. 
But it's tough to know. Like, what happens if they both? What happens if they they argue about that one too? So as long as they argue about it, maybe you're allowed to follow about it, right? It's only that if one of them, I guess, dies or moves away or something like that. So now there's only one Ashkafa in town. So now, right? So now you're stuck following, right? Following the rule about the Machmir. Maybe hard to come up with with full with full coherence in this ritva. Okay. Then he's, right now we're in the, the third paragraph. He says Venira Dvarim. Is there any um, measure yeah. of shkulim? It just seems so theoretical to, to actually equate two people. On what on what grounds? Well, we could say chachmah minyan, which you know that we could try. Like, what does minyan mean? Does it mean age? And even chachmah, like, is it years in the Beit Midrash? Is it that they are the same age in terms of actual years? Like, uh, I just uh, see it. There's such a theoretical comparison. Um, so there are two ways to answer it. Right? It's one of you if you're a rule-bound person. So we could try and construct levels of smicha. Right? Or we can try, right? Or you know, or or uh, right? What what's you know? So right. So Israel now is a system where you try in Europe, right? You know, you can be you can be a rav, you can be ravair, you can be rav, right? Right. So we can try and set up levels of levels of smicha and, and evaluate you that way. That's not based on chachma. I mean, there's no right. test, there's no test to become a ravair. Right. It's politics. So no, no, there is a t- there is a series of tests you have to pass to be to get appointed, but you can't be a ravair unless you pass a higher level of test in ordinary smicha. Okay. So we could say, like you know, if you make it to that level. Right, you know, like you're, you know, like the athletic has this, like its top tier of right of superstars and second tier of superstars. So you could do, right, you could do it that way by formal rules. We could try and set it that way, uh, right? The way Rosh Hashanah does about hurrah, right? You have to be Bucky Bishas and know, right, you know, as a, as a basic star, as as your first move, right? Which is how we have the legends at all the Rabbanei Ha'ir in Europe, right? Where where it became Bishas, maybe. Um, the problem, as we all know, is that those rules breed cynicism because politics come in. There are always people who have other virtues that make up for it, which right, and so you're either stuck excluding people. Yeah, but there's also narrow expertise. Like even though halacha is generally biased against narrow expertise, like there are people who have studied certain areas, like you know, Nida. Maybe somebody's a real bucky Nida, and for a Nida Shaila, you would go to that person and lean on that person a lot more than for somebody who you would go for Yoridea. Yeah, so that's a, I mean, I'm not sure the halakha is always biased against narrow expertise. Uh, I think that, you know, that could be a back formation where people struggling with their sense of contemporary modern expertise back project that they must be in the past, but the Gemara says halakha kirav nachman be'ex and kirav be'y. We don't have so many people in the Gemara who are known only for knowing the one thing, but there are people who are, yeah, so I, I think that, that the rule doesn't tell you whether we say gal b'chachma in this area or go to the Chachman generally. Like we know, you know, from experience, you might know. Like you know, there's one kind of person who I would love to ask questions as long as they don't require any knowledge of contemporary intellectual reality. Uh, right? Let's just say, right? You know, they might they not by, they might know physical reality, but they're just not part of the intellectual world we're in. And other people, right? Other people only you know, love to ask questions that relate to psychology, uh, but not to issues, right? But, but not to abstractions because you know, when it comes to abstractions, they just clunk. Uh, right, so I think that's probably true. So I don't know, or you could claim, you know, I, when I um, when I learned international law. So one of the the powerful things, international law is really like is, that's the first time I learned customary law as a field. And international law is right; authority comes from experts. How are experts recognized? Because other experts recognize them. There aren't rules, um, right? So then we go back to right the beginning of the year. We said like, so what is Right, so what's your default? Do we say that my default is if I have a sense, that, right, right, as long as I have a sense that one person is greater, that's okay? 
Or does it mean I have to be certain that one person is greater? Right? So which way, right, depending which way you, you go with that, that would be, a, you know, that, you know, there are some people who will be pretty, you know, who are pretty clear, right, you know, you have, you know, base matters for late night, uh, late night sessions, right, which, you know, of the following 10 gedolim, right, which of them would be Superman? Right, which right, and so right, you know, and some of them will not say that, right? Some of them, right? Some people will say, okay, who am I to decide between so and so who gives the sixteenth shear in Panovich, and right, and so and so gives the sixteenth shear in Mir? Could could schooling be a fairly wide range of overlap? In other words, you know, so so there's such a lot of people, you know, people with similar training and similar experience, and yeah, generally similar intellectual, and you know. Capabilities and output would be considered schooling. You know, right. So, whether, whether one's exact, you know, one might be a little right. better than the other, but, but you know, but they're still considered schooling. Right. I'm saying the same way that you know that you can collapse all probabilities less than right between 50.01 and 19.9. You either collapse them into 100 as rule, right. or you can collapse them into 50 because of lack of certainty. Mm-hmm. So there's some people who will collapse the you know, rabbis into, easily into tiers that way, right. and some people who won't. I, I don't know that there's a clear. I know that there's a clear um, rule, and I think Rabbi Chess is entirely right. That at least I think the contemporary experience is there are people yeah, that we tend to think that people have skills in particular areas, as opposed to, but it might just be like you know, it might be a madrega, somebody who you trust to be able to give an intelligent answer everywhere. Right, that might be a strong default. Right, you know, they're, they're roughly equivalent ability, but one of them you could wake up in the middle of the night and ask right, and ask an obscure question in Maestros. Right, so they might have more. Right, it might be that's better than somebody who you can wake up in the middle of the night and they can give answer a question about the sugya they learned yesterday really well. Um, can you can you identify them with a person that you don't trust for everything? What, what, what does that mean? Then I only I'm, I'm part of your school, but I, but I don't believe in your school for us. Right, so that's a very good question. That's a, yeah, I have I have struggled with that. Uh, I have struggled with that a lot about uh, what to do about having teachers. I think are great. But not in particular. But in certain areas, no. Like I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I struggle with that a lot. Like, you know, and I still say that I identify as a Talmud of so and so for the purposes of halacha, even though there are areas where I wouldn't ask them shilas. Uh, but here I do, right? That's a, uh, right, So that's 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 a really uh, that's a really important question. I don't have a good answer for that one. Um, all right, we're up to three sure, I think. <laughs> it's all right, it's a big topic. Uh, but I, I really love the, uh, the labor stuff, so I, want to, so I want to go back to it. Okay, so it says, Veneer Inver, right, two paragraphs from the bottom. The Kevin de Plige be Shikul Hadas or Shnehem Shkul. And since they're arguing about Shikul Hadat, meaning that Shikul Hadat is a case where there is no demonstrative evidence. Everyone agrees that at some point it, re- it, re- it, re- it reduces the judgment. I can't prove you wrong or right. Doesn't mean there's no evidence. It just means that I can't prove you wrong or right. I don't even think I can prove you wrong or right. Uh, right? It's a judgment call. Just my judgment is better than yours, as opposed to you're making a mistake. Um, so as the right, even right. So we said we had this whole decision procedure, and in the end. We, right, we said that the decision procedure says that for future cases, if they're equal, right, then we have, we have rules. But he says, you know what, those rules, that you have to follow the Machmer, only apply if, not, if each of them agrees that it's a judgment call which doesn't have a clear answer. But even if, even if they agree they can't prove it, 
But one of them says, right, he's called Somech Agamare. One of them, either because he has a tradition or because it's just so obviously right to him what the judgment is, says, right, you know, I know that there's a machogit about this, but I am reaching this decision not because I'm uncertain and this seems to me like, you know, lean, but because I'm really sure you can follow them too. So you can or you have to? Well, you can't. I mean, the other person obviously isn't doesn't that way, right? So the, you can't claim the certainty always wins. I mean, you could claim a rule bari v'shema, bari adif, right? That is a rule in certain cases in in, in evidence, right? That if oh, you know that a certain witness beats an uncertain witness, or a certain claimant beats an uncertain claimant. Well, but, but, but saying simply, one of them is being so made adamra. Yeah. So you can follow them. Still, the other one's still acknowledging that it's just his shikul adat. Right. So that's somehow. Some Maybe not inferior, but, but more subjective than objective or something like that. Right, so some people, well, so some people like to claim this rule of Bar Yashama applies, but it's, it's a very dangerous thing because it privileges certain personality types. Right? Some people are certain of everything and some people are not, right? I, I wish I were certain of anything as that young man is of everything, right? 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 Also, some line, lines like that. So I would be very, um, I think if somebody tells you that I'm only ruling this way, me suffix. And it, right, you know, somebody, somebody, one person says, on the, well, I would pask in the Chumrah because Suffolk derives of the Chumrah. Mm-hmm. And the other person says, no, right, no, I, right, actually this case is not a Suffolk at all. Mm-hmm. So then maybe you would apply that rule that way. But where people are just, have different senses of security in their judgment, and they're equal, mm-hmm. hard for me to say that there's any privilege to the person who has certainty. But that may just be, you know, an attempt to defend myself against, mm-hmm. although, you know, sometimes I'm certain. But only when other people are wrong, so it's fine. <laughs> Not a personality trait, anyway. Uh, basically, a shy, diffident person. Um, so obviously, my certainty has even more force because it's so out of character. Um, okay, so then, uh, right in so the last paragraph, um, he says, he says, however. Right, since there has to be some meaning left to the original, right? Um, in in the first case, we were talking about. Uh, not two people ruling simultaneously, but asking people sequentially, right? That has to apply even if the second person is, is certain. You can't overrule the first person unless you can prove them wrong. Right? And you can't, right? And and you can't go ask the second person whichever way. Now we talked about whether it's a rule about the about what you're allowed to answer or what you're allowed to ask. But whichever way it goes, he says, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, right? That you can't just claim that. I'm really sure they case that rule. But they case almost everything else. Right? So I, that's why I wanted to argue that in the end of the day, like the core lesson here is that we do really have a, we set a great value on, on a certain kind of truth. But the problem is that we're, we're looking at, we're looking, all, all these questions are always being, all these rules are always being set up from the perspective of the person who doesn't have their own position. Right? That's right. So, the, right, so, it's not clear that it relates to truth, per se. To say that I can follow somebody who is more certain doesn't mean that certainty is a guide to truth. It just means I'm not constrained to follow the, right, to follow the, to, to follow, to, to, I'm not constrained to follow rules when there's some basis for distinguishing among them. Okay, but so I, you know, I have a bias which is clear, right, that you can tell that I think that generally the goal, generally the goal is to try and have people invested in the outcome as opposed to being mechanical in some way, but yeah, that, that, that may be a bias. I can't, I can't put that in the sources. All I can show you is that there is strong evidence for claiming that rules are always the, the, 
Mechanical rules are always the second choice. Yes, Rosa. Is it, is it obvious that the Ritva is talking about a case where the rabbi's uncertainty is in the halakha and not in the inherited tradition, meaning I come to the rabbi with a complicated question but I need an answer immediately, and one rabbi is like, ah, that's complicated, and the other's like, it's not complicated, you're just not remembering what the Ritva says. Um, and is that different now when it's like, hold on, let me pull it up on my phone and we'll compare. Um, is it like, a, I don't know it or I don't remember it? Yes, that's, those, are, those are valuable you know, categories, right? That's so, why you know, I fudged by Gemara. I had the original set I could show you, you know, Rashi in one place translates Gemara as, as, right, as his analysis, and the other place he translates Gemara as his tradition. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I would just be, I think I would be inventing on the spot if I told, if I told you how that plays out. Um, I, think, you know, I think it's true, right, that now, like, you know, if you just try arguing about tradition, then you can usually look it up, but not always, because you want to like, argue, what does Rabbi Salvatrix say? We could look it up, and it doesn't help any. Right now we have to get to the rules about the Lishnah Harinos, right, because every, almost every Psaq has seven different, uh, has seven different iterations of it. Um, so on the one hand, we have, on the one hand, we have access to everything. On the other hand, it's really harder to have clear traditions because we have access to everything, because there's no editorial um, policy. But in Hakanami, I would say that if one person says, I remember, and you trust them, so that's going to win over the person who's not, right, who says, I can't remember, but I know we did this in Shir. Right. Right, I, think that would, I think that would probably be right. Okay, let's go to something that appears entirely different for now. Right? Um, right, this is an audience where I can say, now for something completely different, everyone will get it, right? <laughs> <laughs> right that has, uh, like, one of the fact you can tell like, how old you are that I've already, I went through, as a high school teacher, which is years ago, yet, right, the era when nobody knew what I was talking about, and then because it was retro chic. <laughs> people already got it again I don't know where we are now but you're moving with me so uh, I see you can probably you'll all probably get it okay um, so I want to read um, I want to read some Mishnayot and Idiot with you about rules of right, what is generally framed as you know the rule which is Yachid Rabbim Rabbim we're not going to do it on a an origin question I should mention right as a question like why do how do we know the Yachid Rabbim right Rabbim is it really Part of a principle called Achari Rabim Latot? Is it part of a general rule about how we derive majority majority rule of, of root? We're going to bracket all those questions so the, you know, that we could happily spend a semester somewhere in the future trying to track that down. There is a rule called Yachid, right, that everyone knows about in some sense. There's also another rule which is that the hill beats Shammai. We're going to just take that as background, although whether that's background by the time we get to the Mishnah or not, let's assume that we already have that. So we have a Mishnah. Mishnah is talking about Nida. All that matters to us is that, right, beginning of the beginning, there's a position that Shammai has, there's a position that Hill has, and then there's a position that the Chachamim have, which is like neither of them. Okay, so different, right, Shammai, Hill, right, and those are the first two Mishnayot are both, uh, right, the first, so the first Mishnah is Shammai, Hill, and then Chachamim, and the second Mishnah, which is beautiful, is Hill, Shammai, and then the Chachamim, but the Chachamim are actually following a tradition of two lower class people, two weavers who walk in and say they have a tradition back from Shammai and Aftalion. So we don't even know who the characters are, right? Hill, Shammai, the Chachamim, who make the decision, the weavers who bring the tradition, or, the, or Shammai and Aftalion, who are presumably no longer alive, but are the sources of the tradition. Um, we don't know what the outcome of these Mishnah is, they're just recording positions. Um, but now, then right, we segue to questions that seem to assume an outcome. The first question is, Why do we mention the position of the Shammai and Hill if they're going to lose? Why they lose? Because presumably they lose to the Chachamim. Why do they lose to the Chachamim? So it could be Yachid Rabim Alecha Kirabim. It could be that. 
But we'll complicate that question as we go on. Um, so the Gemara says, Okay, no one knows what this means. Uh, who are the Avot Hulam who didn't stand by the words? Did Shaman Hill agree? They've been long dead by the time this mission is written. So, okay, whatever you can make that line mean, good for you. Uh, next line. Okay, so now here, we have a, uh, right here we have a clear principle. Right, why do we bother mentioning the individuals? Who are the individuals? Presumably the individuals at this point are Hill and Shammai. Why do we bother mentioning them? If the halacha is not going to be like them anyway. Um, so the first answer is, So the problem is this is an if clause without a then. Right, so some people try and reframe it as, Right, so if a Beitin sees the words of the individual, it may rely on them. doesn't tell us what sees means. Uh, does it mean they have to prefer it? Does it mean they're just aware of it? Uh, right, all, lots of ambiguities, and it could also just be that we're, we're missing the then clause. Now we have a reason for whatever it was, which is, A Beitin cannot overrule a fellow Beitin. Well, hang on a sec, where did two Beitin get involved in here? We were right in the middle of a dispute. But now all of a sudden there's a prior Beitin, so that's what the Merubin represent. The Merubin represent the prior vote of a prior Beitin. They, and so a second Beitin can't overrule the first Beitin unless it's greater than Okay, now we're stuck trying to figure out what Chachmah, greater than Chachmah Minyan means. Right, Minyan is obviously problematic if you're think, talking about right, Sanders, Sanhedrin's are all the same size. Right, so everyone has their own issues to try and figure out what Minyan means, number of students, age, all sorts of things like that. And Chachmah is as uh, Rajesh has pointed out, how are we going to figure out which Beitin is greater than Chachmah? Is it average, mean, uh, right, peak? <laughs> uh, right, all sorts, right, all sorts, you know, maybe a, a train is only as strong as its weakest link, right? So, right, one, right, one mediocrity is enough, right, to lower your Beitin to the bottom. It really depends on who has influence also, you know? Okay, problematic category. Um, it could be, it's really, it's really be a value, right? You know, we have all the social media, and, it, and every every year, okay, the I don't know the yeshiva right, website will put a ranking of all Sanhedrin's in history. <laughs> right, where do you fit in your list of in your list of Sanhedrin's? Right now, we know which decisions you can overrule and which decisions you can't. Um, okay, um, Amar Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda comes along and says, So that sounds like the same question we asked at the beginning. Uh, but it's different language, right? One's, one is Ein Halacha Ela Ke, and one is Divrei Levatala. That's an interesting language. And his answer is, uh, right, it, maybe that his, 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 his question presumes the answer, which is that, right, as opposed to the first answer, which said there's a constructive purpose to mentioning them, the second answer is that the reverse. She'im Yomar Adam Kachani Mikubal, Yomar Lo Ish Ploni Shamata. So if, anybody, if anybody says to you um, that, Right, what a, a tradition you can say, no, you heard the minority tradition, so we reject you. Okay, so fundamentally, we have two reasons for mentioning minority positions. One is so that a later Beitin can rely on them, and the other is so that a later Beitin can't rely on them. Right, exactly opposite reasons. Right, one, right, one says it's so that right, a tradition will stay in the tradition and can be utilized, and the other is so that nobody should think that this, that this position wasn't thought of and rejected. Okay, so that's good. Now, who, which position wins? Well, obviously, the majority position will win about this issue. 
Who's the majority position? Well, the majority said that we, right, so that we can remember the minority position in case we need it. And Rabbi Huda, the minority, said no is to reject them. So ironically, Rabbi Huda will survive uh, because he loses. <laughs> right, right, you can rely on Rabbi Huda, uh, right, because, right, except that if you look, um, if you look at page, we'll, we'll skip, because I don't, I don't think I want to do it in depth. If you look at page four, so we have the Tosefta, um, so if you look at the paragraph with all the asterisks on page four, um, so the Tosefta par- right, parallel says, Okay, that's the position that was Rabbi Huda. And what's the next line? Amar Rabbi Huda, no, the other way around. So which position is Rabbi Huda? Which position is the anonymous thing flips between the Mishnah and the Brayta? So we don't even know which position is the majority. So in the end, um, this rule is not very helpful to us in terms of figuring out what to do. <laughs> if somebody, if there's a minority position, it either is there so you can rely on it or so that you can't. Um, okay. Let's do a, uh, right, then we have other stories about where Bechami Be- 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 Hill reversed. We're not going to do that in depth now. Okay, so let's take a look at the, at the, um, the second Mishnah from Idiot on page three, uh, where I actually have, we'll, we'll see if you buy, we'll see if you buy my Kiddush, um, and also if you, um, if you buy it, hopefully you will, you'll get it, because it, the way I set the Mishnah up graphically, and so we'll see if you, um, yeah, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll tell you the story first, and then we'll read the text, and we'll see if you get what's going on. So here's the story the way it's often told. Uh, Akavya ben Mahalil is a really great rabbi, but he has four idiosyncratic positions. And the rabbis come to him and say, if you change your four idiosyncratic positions, we'll make you avbetid. And he says, absolutely not. Uh, and then we tell, right, what were the four idiosyncratic positions? So we tell you what the four idiosyncratic positions are. The last one was that he held that you could not uh, make a giurit drink soda water. And um, the Chachamim said, but Shmai and Aftalion did it. They gave, right, they, they made a giurit drink soda water. And he says, dugma hishkuhu. He says, that, right, they just pretended. So they put him in cherem. Okay, then there's a whole, whole story going on from there. Uh, that's how, I think that's usually how people teach a story, right? And the question is, why they put him in cherem? So I had to put in the harem because he mocked the rabbinic process by claiming a huge tradition. We just think they were just pretending. But you, have, you can make arguments like that, the whole system breaks down. Or because Shmai and Aftalion were themselves converts and he was accusing them of letting them allow their personal feelings to influence the law. Okay, those are both reasonably interesting answers. Um, except that uh, part of the reason they don't never really appeal to me is what would be so terrible? if we pretended sometimes in order to preserve people's dignity or to restore a marriage, whatever reason you're, right, you're, you're allowing a girl to drink the waters, uh, right, if, as a, right, as a pretense, right? So what would be so terrible? I, for example, know that sometimes, you know, that sometimes at weddings, uh, right, with, if, there's some, if there's some factor that changes the wording of the ketubah that one party or another doesn't want to disclose, so sometimes you sign one ketubah and read the other. Uh, right? If people ask, like, why did you do that? They find out later. The answer is because that was the right thing to do. Because it's a misfit to be That's also problematic, right? Because it creates all sorts of misimpressions. Later on, people bring proofs. Look, it says, right, I was at that wedding in the Siddiq and you have to say, no, that was just a dugma ktuba. That wasn't a real ktuba. 
Okay, right, so we, we can understand why some people would find this reading, one of these readings of the Mishnah very plausible. Uh, right, same token, right, some people argue the notion that, uh, right, that because they were converts, that's what, right, that, right, they changed halacha, so that's a deep, profound insult to the a claim of the rabbis as utterly objective. Or we could frame it the other way around, right? Say, so, you know, that's why we have a diverse Sanhedrin, so that everybody can bring their own experience. And because of their unique experience of the ways in which converts might be disadvantaged in society, they were sensitive to this woman's needs, and that's terrific. And why was Akavi Mahal saying anything insulting? Right? He was saying, look, they had, they had right? So, that, right? so you, can, you can read all this these ways. Okay, I think all this is wrong. Okay, so, right, so here's, here's why I think all this is wrong. If you look at the page, you will, uh, you'll see, right? I think you'll pick it up immediately. Uh, right? The thing is that Mishnah is constructed of parts. And so the way I like to project it, to, to, to visualize that is that I indent the parts that you could skip and nothing, right, and nothing would change about the structure. Okay, so you look at the text of this Mishnah, right? So what, how do you read it from? Akavi Mahalo Heid Arbad Dvarim. Akavi Mahalo testified four things. Amrulo, they said to him, Akavya, Chazor Bechab Arbad Dvarim Shaito Omer Venaseich Av Beitin Bisrael. Go back from the four things that, um, that, right, that you say. I will make you av beitin. Amar Lenz, he said to them, sorry, that should not be indented, that's my fault, you couldn't have gotten it. <laughs> the, Marlen, right, everything, the line of Marlen should be all the way on the right, that's bad. Uh, Let me be called an idiot all my life, and not be wicked in front of people. Right, that line deserves a lot of investigation in its own right. Why, do people call you an idiot for sticking to your halakhic positions when you're offered? Right? Or do people call you, like, one hopes that people will call you honest. But right, he says, I'd rather, but whatever, right, maybe he's more realistic than I am. Right? Rather, people can call you an idiot all your life, uh, right, all my life, but I don't want to say a position I don't really believe to God. Because I don't want people to say what seems like it would be the truth, which is I changed my mind because I wanted power. Uh, right? Now, I don't, know, I don't know what the alternative is. Right? If they say, change your mind, will make you avbeitin, and you change your mind and become avbeitin, so what was the motive other than power? So I guess you could say, like, people might say he did it because he really wanted to help people. Not for the power, but okay, I don't really understand that. So then, then the Gemara lists the four cases. But my point is those four cases are parenthetical. So when it says Viniduhu, it's not because, right, it happens that the cases are told and the last case is the one of the Sota because that's the one which has dialogue when you're presenting a list of four cases. So you present them, right, structurally, the reason we're presenting is three of them are just statements of law and the fourth one has a dialogue following it. And so therefore you, produce the, you have the one with the dialogue following it last. And that creates a misimpression that when they put him in cherem, it's a reaction to the dialogue in the fourth cases. But actually, you should put all the cases back, and the dialogue does go straight. He says, "Better I be called, right? Better I be called, better I be called, um, you know, wicked, a uh, foolish all my life, rather, rather than um, rather than being called wicked before God for a moment, so that people won't say I changed for power." But he do when they put him in cherem. Why did they put him in cherem? Because they accused him of bribery. Right, right. They they said change your positions, and he said and he said you're asking me to be wicked to God, for power. So I think that right. I think that the that the the um, the dialogue is misunderstood all the way through. Right. And it's really a very, and it's really a really powerful question to figure out what were they asking of him. How could he have accepted their offer with integrity? Um, right. I will quote um, story. I guess I you know I like to tell about myself. When, they, yeah. but when you make somebody, when you put somebody in Kherim, right? yeah. are you essentially saying that he is Rasha Bishnei Hamakom? Yeah, that's what they're claiming. <laughs> that's what they're claiming, right? So that's really, 
interesting thing about right what is the you know, as we have frequently, right, when people put other people in harem for what looks like violations of their kavod, so you have to get up later and say, no, I didn't really do this for my kavod, right? <laughs> right? We did it because we thought that was... The Gemara Sanhedrin asks, right, why didn't they kill him? This is like in Mamre. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, right? So that's a fair question. You know, and I can give you a historical answer that the Gemara records in Machloket about whether you can forgive a in Mamre or not. And the Gemara ends up saying that you can't forgive a in Mamre, but... There was another position, and probably they put, they held like the position that you could forgive him. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they didn't they, they didn't want to kill him, uh, but they put him in harem because he was a threat to their authority. Uh, it's a really right, I think it's a really anyway, I think I think that the when you once you understand it that way. I'm sorry, I blew the graphics after all that. Right, once you understand that it's right that all, it says from these four things, and he says these four things, and then we're not live anymore in the conversation between them anymore. We're just going, we're just, we're, it's a flashback. These are the four things they argued about. And so then when he do, and they put him in the harem, it's not a reaction to the fourth case at all. And you, and those are, you know, and all the issues that are raised as a result of that, if you think those are issues anyway, if you think that it's, um, that is wrong to think that rabbis have specific experiences that affect the halacha, if you think it's wrong to ever, um, create a, a sham of halacha for the sake of preserving someone's dignity, then in echinami, but you can't use this case as proof. All, right, that all, would... all four of these cases are yachid and rabin. Yes. Well, they're all, right, they're all, because we know he's the yachid and they're the rabin. Right. So it could be that if, that he didn't accept the rule yachid and rabin in a way they thought was right. right. I mean, chazorbacha doesn't necessarily mean, I don't know, I guess it does mean retract your personal, but it, couldn't it just mean the party line and you know follow Klele Sock, <laughs> which is the majority rules. Yeah, so it could be, right? See, there's a, so this is the, the whole, you know, the, you know it's always a it's a hard for me to talk about Zakin like, right? About what the, you know, the, their position might be, you know what? You'd have to be a megalomaniac, right? You're, right, you're, right your position is, right, every, all of us disagree with you, and you're still holding your position, not only you're holding your position intellectually, but you're even ruling for other people that way. Uh, right, so you can't be right. We can't allow somebody. Right? It's just it's bad mitos. Right, for you to have that kind of certainty about that kind of about that kind of things, or it could be that you're doing it. Right, as we find out in the story of the son later, you're doing it because you still have you're hanging on to traditions from somebody who lost. And at some point, you have to recognize that you know what your yeshiva lost. And to right to still identify with the yeshiva that lost. It, right, it's just not. Uh, it's just. It's just not okay. Right, those are. I. I think. You know, like everywhere else, like I think you know that you can tell the story with more sympathy for one character than another, um, and it's part of the the joy of rabbinic narrative that the character who is politically politically and practically wrong nonetheless is the hero. Right, and Akavia is plainly the hero of the story. Right, if you if you you can't tell the story. About the evil Akavi Mahalo who was stubborn and got put in the harem, right? That's not that's that's clearly not the point, right? It's Akavi Mahalo, the person of, right? Of, that's why he gets the last word where his son asked him for, right, for, right, to give him a recommendation, and he says, "No, just your actions will right." So there's no way to present present Akavia as not as the hero of the story, I think. But does that, does that mean he was right? I don't know. If that means he was right. It could be that uh, at the end of the day, you know, he had four idiosyncratic positions. I don't know that he had to say anything. Yeah, you might be right. He didn't have to rule like the other way. He just had to stop standing up every time and saying this is wrong. Uh, and you know, part of the question is like you know, do 
do, do these issues right? Do these issues really matter, right? Um, right. We look at the four positions, uh, right? You know, he he, he right, He was matame certain kinds of certain kinds of blood, right? The sear before they don't seem like the biggest issues in the biggest issues in the world, and it's only the, it's only the one about the gerit that raises it. Yeah, we don't uh, know. Maybe we don't know how charged these were in his time, but. That's correct. Likely, yeah. It could have been the you know, it could have been the equivalent of uh, you know of Shabbos ovens or uh, <laughs> uh, right. We don't, we don't know. I think that's uh, it could very well be that these became politically charged uh, politically charged positions. It could be that there were you know that there were Sadducees who were arguing for positions like these, and he was taking positions that you know that looked Sadducean. Like he could be. Let's say for example, right? I met um, I met somebody once who said that, I assume this is correct, that her father was an Orthodox rabbi in the Deep South who wrote a book explaining why you didn't need a mechitza. Right? I think mechitza is probably like the position on which you could, you know, you can easily show orthodoxy you know, at a certain point in history saying, I don't care if you're, tr- I don't care how often your rabbi said that there's no difference between a mechitza and an aisle. Uh, right? You can't, right? we're not going to make, we're not going to make you, an, you know, a member of the RC Halakha committee, unless you, or unless you explicit, unless you say that the mechitza is necessary. Uh, right, that's vision that lost. Might, might have been, might have been reasonable at one stage, but it lost. Right, so I think that's, I think that's, um, you know, then I think the question is, you know, which issues, uh, which issues are worth it? Uh, so I guess since we're coming to the end, I'll tell a story that I, you know, I, uh, one of the stories that I, I like to tell about myself, which probably means it's self-aggrandizing, <laughs> uh, but usually also portrays me as much younger than I am uh, in certain ways. So at one point, uh, I went to Rabbi Norman Lamb, Allah Fashallah, and uh, being young and chuspidic, uh, I said to him that I think in five years I'll be good enough to be a Rosh Hashiva. Will you have the guts to appoint me? Uh, so he, uh, it was very direct, I didn't really want to be a Rosh Hashiva. But I had promised the Wexner Foundation that I would be if I were asked. So I wanted to figure out where my life was going. Uh, so, Rilam said to me that the Briskarov once said uh, to somebody, there's a Pasuk, it's one of my favorite Pasukim, right? Um, said, well, before we get here, he said that a Kovish Nivuos, right, somebody who doesn't state what God told them, is Chayef Kares. Right? You get excised, whatever that means. But a um, but Avi Sheker, Right, somebody who states false prophecy is chayiv misa adam. Right, you get executed. So the briskerov said to the person, Right, better to get better to risk kares by not saying your prophecy. Right, to be fall at the hands of God than right, than to fall at the hands of human beings, of human beings because they believe you to be a false prophet. Uh, so Ray Lam said, Ray Lam said, quoted that story to me, and then he said, "Don't publish." Um, and so, and I did for a year and a half, and then something else happened, which made it irrele- which made the whole issue irrelevant. And I had the year and a half on my conscience. Uh, now, on the one hand, you know, if I only made it for you know for a couple more years without running a revolution in the institution, you know, maybe I, maybe I would have been appointed, and who knows how, you know, whether the world would have been better or worse. Um, and you know, but I, I guess you know that's so that's like a sort of a caveat moment, I guess, which I fail. In a certain sense, right? If that's the issue, and, uh, and it was a deep lesson for me, I think, uh, in that uh, although I don't always learn it, that um, I don't, you know, Akavi is right. You know, because you you give things up. What happens if you know they appoint him out of Beitin, and guess what? Six months later, they reverse the deal, and now he has given up the, his integrity, and he's not out of Beitin. So was it really worth it? 
So Rilam kept arguing with me. You know, lots of times they say, like, you know, not, not every battle has to be fought. And that's true. Not every battle has to be fought. But it, when something was framed for you that way, I, I wonder if they had just told the caveat that it would be better for the community if you gave those four positions we need unity. He might, right, then his response wouldn't have worked, right? But they said, right, because they said, give them up and then we'll make you out Beit in Israel, so that made it impossible. Because, right, right, because now, now, now he would know it himself, right? Why am I doing that? I'm not doing this because it's better for the community. I'm doing it because it's better for me. Um, okay, so in the context of Klal Hero, which is what we're trying to talk about here, just for us, so, so the, what you have here in the story, right, and this goes back to the Ritva, is somebody trying to make a rule for others into a rule for people in the middle of the dispute. Right, not only do, right, not only is Yachid Rabbi on the Chak Rabbi for the people outside a right, outside a kavya, but it's also a rule for a kavya. You're outnumbered, so you have to give in. But that's not the same thing. Now the counter is once you learn the Ritva, he would say, but nobody's going to follow me. The answer is no, it's not true because if people read the Ritva and say, no, like we identify with a kavya, uh, right? It's it's a it's a live matter, right? So it's not it's not anywhere near. It's not so simple. And a kavya might have thought that what does it matter what I say? No one will follow me anyway. But maybe they were right and he wasn't, right, 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 because you know, because maybe they had read the Ritva and he hadn't, um, because, right, and they realized that you know that strong minority positions will be followed, uh, right. So that's the whole thing. Okay, so we will leave that. Uh, we'll leave the shear at that uh, for tonight. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, questions are great. You have to read that last part of saying that they're trying to apply that rule to him, or that they are trying to they they know the the fracture in this. Yeah, the, the notion of uh, that you follow the revenue over the Yahid, but, but then these two things still exist in the world, and they, they just want to avoid that. So the Gemara in San says that the reason we rule that you can't forgive a Zakin Mamre is mm-hmm. right. um, and you know, the problem is, so one person says, I want communal unity, and the other person, right, how do you have, you know, the only way you can get unity is through suppression. Um, right, you know, and so if you're the other way around, right, so we start talking about Migdal Bavel, right, the Nitzvah Migdal Bavel, right, that the only way you can get that is if you throw everybody else into a burning furnace. So, right, that's all, you know, that's always the, uh, that's always the challenge, and why should the majority give it, right, you know, you can just say, I feel more strongly about this, let you give, right, you know, you can always, that's why it's time about go to do, right, when people talk about how you're splitting the community, well, I'm not splitting the community, you're the ones who are not agreeing with me, right, <laughs> It's always that choice. If you think that keeping the community a unity is the supreme value, right? I don't, right? That's our argument, right? So you all agree with me, but you all agree with me, and if you, but you follow your own position, so even though I'm a minority, you should all follow me. But yeah. Isn't, isn't there a place of saying that's always true until you become the Abbasian? And, and then it's different. And, so it, and then you don't get to follow your own position anymore. So it could be, right? That, you know, that ironically, right? You know, that an Abbasian, but you know, if, you don't really want an Avbeit who doesn't lead, right? So we get the whole paradox of leadership. Um, yeah, to, to me, it just makes sense to say minority opinion is allowed to follow their own opinion, of course, until they become the leader, in which case they have to defer to the majority. Right, but he, did, but he, he was happy not being leader. They weren't happy, right? But the answer is because he was a leader. Right? He could tell himself, he could be on the side all he wanted and pretend I'm just doing myself. And they said, practically, you're already, what you are is a competing source of power. We want to bring you in, right? And he said, "No, that's sorry, that's not worth it to me." I, I think both sides are um, are defensible, um, but I, I think that the, the story is written in a way 
which makes you sympathize with a kavya, but I think that a big part of the challenge of big narrative is that the side you sympathize with is not necessarily the side that you acknowledge should win. Uh, I think that's a very that's a very powerful thing. I was like, why do you write the story in such a way that right that the the person you like more isn't supposed to win? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next door for those that are able to join.